Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Hope you had a good weekend. And thanks for joining us as we kick off, which should be a a very busy week. Lots going on in Washington, D.C. And plenty of weather. The south, another winter storm. We'll be talking with DTM meteorologist Mike Palmerino on the program today. Of course, a lot of talk and uh, still a lot of speculation about China buying U.S. soybeans again. We'll talk with the CEO of the American Soybean Association, Ryan Finley, on today's show to get his thoughts on that. Kent Backus with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association will join us to talk about Morocco opening its market to U.S. beef and also looking at the U.S.-Japan trade talks. All that coming up started off with a look at the news of the week with Sarah Wyatt, editor and publisher of AgriPulse Communications. Sarah, thanks for joining us. It uh, it should be a very busy week uh, in Washington, D.C. Yes, it is, Mike. I've already been uh, out for a couple of breakfasts here in Washington and uh, gearing up for Farm Bill Week. You know, we've been uh, waiting all year for this, and it looks like it's uh, possibly going to be uh, unveiled later today and uh, early tomorrow we're going to see some work already on it and uh, then we see potentially votes on Wednesday and Thursday and there's going to be a bad so possibly we underscore possibly it could be passed no, in this week in this <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so you see yeah, a vote I later mean, this week Yes, yes, that's that's the expectation. You know, we've unveiled quite a bit of the of the main changes that are going to be in the recent newsletter, but um, it's it's not a revolutionary farm bill. It's an evolutionary one. The the bigger changes, of course, were made twenty eighteen when direct payments were discontinued, and this is a continuation of some of the main commodity programs with some tweaks here and there. And some other changes in conservation and rural development and uh, not much in the nutrition side of the program. So it's not going to be something that I think will be a shocker, any of your listeners, but still something they'll want to stay tuned uh, to because it does include some potential changes in, in some of the ways that that's are calculated and that sort of thing. Yeah, so we'll watch for the details. I think it's expected to pass, right, Sarah? But it'll be interesting to see who does and does not vote for it. Well, I think it's pretty clear that the House Freedom Caucus, the GOP members, are very conservative and really wanted to see changes in the food stamp provisions, the supplemental nutrition assistance program. They wanted to see those requirements tightened, and they're not going to be tightened in the way that they wanted. So you're pretty much going to see a block of those folks not vote for it. But it does seem now that most of the Democrats would be interested in voting for it. Uh, Colin Peterson, the ranking Democrat, has uh, told others that he's really viewed pro- uh, positively by his caucus because they got exactly what they wanted. That is no change in these provisions. So you're going to have to see a lot of Democrats support this in order to put it over the top. And I think that's the likely expectation. It'll pass, but not with a lot of margin. So we'll be watching closely. This could be the week we finally get this farm bill done. Now, we're also watching uh, getting spending bills done. Where does that stand? 
Well, there's a lot of uncertainty over how this will actually play out. As you know, Mike, we had an extension last week of the uh, spending bill so that we can continue to fund the government. But the real uh, where the rubber is going to hit the road is what happens with the administration and the House and Senate leaders on whether or not they're going to provide funding for the U.S.-Mexico border wall. The president has asked for $5 billion. Um, a meeting between the president and congressional leaders was postponed last week because, of course, we were uh, uh, memorializing the late President George Herbert Walker Bush. And so now that kind of showdown meeting is scheduled for Tuesday, and then we'll see uh, whether they can cut a deal. I think this will be a big test, not only for President Trump, but for uh, uh, presume the Speaker Pelosi and uh, Chuck Schumer, the minority leader in the, in the Senate, to see whether or not they can find any kind of common ground. Uh, going into that meeting, there's no one showing their hand. So uh, we'll see what kind of compromise, if any, they can reach. And if not, then we may be looking at a very difficult situation, potentially a government shutdown uh, on December 21. I don't think anybody wants to go there, so I don't think that's going to happen. But, again, as we said, stay tuned. (laughs) Yeah, and then to add to all the news this week, it looks like we'll see the new Waters of the U.S. rule. Yeah, that's going to be exciting in a lot of ways in that we're finally going to see a rule that hopefully will be designed in a way that can survive a legal challenge because we all know it is going to be challenged in the courts. That's expected to come out on Tuesday. It's supposed to be a more narrowly defined waters of the U.S. rule that will be easier to understand and more clear in terms of whether there's standing water in a field and whether that is classified as something that's in violation or not. So there's going to hopefully be a more clear-cut recognition of what is a water of the U.S. rule and what is not. What is a water of the U.S. and what is not in this new rule? Uh, we'll be seeing that probably go all the way up to the Supreme Court eventually. But uh, our sources tell us that it was written in a way that can hopefully survive those legal challenges. And one other note, Sarah, I wanted to mention the, the passing of former Ag Secretary Bob Berglund. He was Ag Secretary back in the Carter administration. He was the first Secretary of Agriculture that I interviewed and still have the picture of me, long hair and all on me, uh, interviewing him back in, in, the, uh, in the 70s. Um, he, he was tasked with having to go out and, and sell the uh, forever controversial Russian grain embargo. Oh, yes, and what a difficult position that put him in under President Jimmy Carter. But, you know, Mike, he was uh, somebody who cared passionately about farmers. He was a farmer himself. He went through a lot of hard times before being elected to the U.S. House of Representatives. And I think he really um, wanted to work very closely with all the farmers and try to find a way that they could, you know, stay financially viable through this difficult Soviet grain embargo, and, and it was a it was a very tough spot for him, as you know, but um, did a lot of great things on conservation and trying to lift up uh, structural issues in agricultural production, and he's certainly going to be very sorely missed. Yeah, he did a lot of good things, as you pointed out, very sincere, very nice man, but he'll always be linked uh, during uh, because of that Russian grain embargo that it's 
funny how history works out that way sometimes, but still uh, want to remember him and the, all the wonderful things, uh, good things that he did for agriculture uh, as secretary back in the Carter administration. All right, Sarah, thanks a lot. And uh, I know you're, you've got a big, big week ahead. So good luck to you and your team. We'll be following you on AgriPulse. Thank you very much. Thanks, Mike. Always good to talk to you. All right, Sarah Wyatt, editor and publisher of AgriPulse Communications. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk weather. Back in the news again, this time especially in the southern part of the country, another winter storm. We're going to talk with Mike Pomerino, DTM meteorologist, filling in for Bryce Anderson again this week. That's coming up next. Stay with us here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Did you know you can listen to the latest podcast of Adams on Agriculture or hear the top news and weekend review from the American Ag Network on your Amazon Alexa? Play my flash briefing. Use the Alexa app to search for the podcast you want to play. Search for Adams on Agriculture to learn about the issues affecting agriculture each weekday. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Again. Or you can search for the American Ag Network. This is the American Ag Network Week in Review. I'm Sabrina Hill. Stay up to date on agriculture with the sound of your voice on your Amazon device. Over the holiday season, you know there are so many pleas out there for assistance from one organization or another. All of them do good work. We're asking you not to forget us. Every child deserves a little Christmas. Every year since 1947, the U.S. Marine Corps Reserve Toys for Tots program has been out there collecting toys for millions of deserving children, children who otherwise would go without at this most joyous time of year. The Toys for Tots website is the starting point to find one of our campaign sites. It's toysfortots.org. That's really simple. Toysfortots.org. All one word. Toysfortots.org. There you'll be able to find out how to donate directly to a local campaign or register for assistance. Toysfortots.org. All you need to remember, toysfortots.org. Delivering hope since 1947. What does Meals on Wheels do? They deliver meals and smiles to homebound seniors. But Meals on Wheels does something else. They turn a volunteer's lunch break into a meaningful experience. As small and as simple as the relationship is between a volunteer and a client of Meals on Wheels, it's really so impactful. I never thought that five minutes could make so much difference in the lives of two people, but it has. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. 
Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Another week, another winter storm. This one across the south. Let's talk with DTM meteorologist Mike Palmerino. Mike, thanks for joining us. Uh, how big is this storm moving across? Well, it's uh, it was a biggie. I think the, the main issue with this one, Mike, was the fact that it produced some uh, wintry conditions across the deep south. You know, we had... Uh, uh, basically a heavy snow event uh, in and around the uh, high plains of Texas, and then just a mixture of snow and ice right across northern portions of the Gulf states and, and on up into the Carolinas, so areas that normally don't get this kind of stuff, especially this early in the winter, uh, really got hit uh, very hard. Is it uh, pretty well done? Uh, this one is. Uh, it, there's still some lingering effects in the Carolinas, but uh, there's not going to be much of a break. I guess the only good news is with the next system coming up for the latter part of the week is that it's probably going to be a little bit of a warmer system. So we won't see, I don't think, much in the way of any uh, snow and ice uh, in the deep south, but uh, we could see some mixture of, of snow, ice, and rain in areas from about Kansas across uh, into Missouri, northern Arkansas. That area in there looks like they could bear the brunt of the uh, wintry mix with this next system. November and so far December, we seem to have a lot of uh, very active systems moving across the country. Absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm basically the only one in the camp that we're currently in in El Nino. Uh, most of the official talk is that we may be getting into one, but we're not there yet. But, you know, I, I think it's all semantics at this point. And clearly, if the weather patterns are behaving like in El Nino uh, and you've got enough warming in the Pacific, you know, I think that's good enough. And, and this, to me, looks like a classic El Nino pattern right now. Very stormy across the southern tier and uh, very benign weather, uh, actually milder than normal and basically dry across the upper Midwest and northern plains. So you're saying if it looks like an El Nino, acts like an El Nino, it's an El Nino. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, so uh, let's look at the Midwest. What's ahead this coming week? Well, again, it looks like the uh, beginning of the week looks um, pretty benign. It looks like uh, virtually the entire Midwest will be essentially dry and uh, mild, uh, uh, normal to above normal temperatures through midweek. And then we've got this major storm coming in. Uh, It will impact uh, Missouri, southeast Iowa, and virtually the entire eastern Midwest uh, beginning on Thursday and probably continuing into Saturday. And uh, again, we're looking for precip totals probably on the order of about a half inch to two inches. And uh, again, I think the best chance of seeing a mixed bag of uh, snow, ice, and rain will be from about eastern Kansas uh, into Missouri 
and uh, southeastern Iowa. Right now, the it looks like it'll be mostly uh, a rain event across Illinois, Indiana, and Ohio, and then down through the deep south. All right, we're talking with DTM meteorologist Mike Palmerino. Mike, what's your longer-range forecast through December? Well, I'm just going to keep the El Nino pattern going at this point. I, I think we could probably extend it through the winter right now. So, uh, you know, I'm not looking for much of a change. I think that, um, you know, basically the upper Midwest northern plains stays on the mild and dry side, and uh, we continue to see a very stormy pattern across the deep south. Uh, occasionally it will shift a little bit further to the north, it looks like once this system goes by, the next one will take a much further southern route, you know, maybe along the Gulf Coast. But, you know, the pattern clearly is, has, you know, told us what it wants to do. And uh, I think we're just going to lock into this pattern uh, uh, potentially not only for the rest of December, but I could see it, you know, continuing into uh, January and February as well. Wow. So we... We should prepare for a little bit of everything, it sounds like, uh, throughout this winter, but uh, not too much calm. Just uh, you think we're going to just see these systems keep developing and moving through? I do. I, I really do. And I think that, you know, the uh, I guess overall the, the biggest concern I would have right now with all this moisture down across the deep south is that any beans that are still left in the fields, and we knew there were still some as of the last crop report that came in at the end of November, those beans have got to be a real mess, you know, either, you know, just terrible quality or potential harvest losses for that soybean crop down in there. So I, I think that's the major issue right now. The feedlots could become a little dicey, although right now it looks like most of the moisture is staying out of the uh, far southwestern plains. But the deep south is in for a really potentially uh, very, very stormy winter. Yeah, still some crops in the field, as you mentioned, and it's uh, getting harder and harder on those all the time uh, as farmers kind of try to wait it out. But it sounds like it's going to be hard to do uh, with the systems you're talking about moving across. All right, Mike, what about uh, let's look around the around the world. Let's start in South America. How are things looking there? Well, they're actually looking quite good at this point. You know, the main concern in November was it was getting too wet. And uh, we were talking about potential for disease issues developing in beans in central Brazil. And they were having to do some replanting of crops in Argentina because it was so wet. Things so far in, in the first part of December have actually dried out pretty nicely. So that's really a positive. And it looks like now we're going to start going on the wetter side again after this nice respite. They're going to start to get into some uh, pretty uh, active rain patterns across Argentina this week, and those are going to start to move up into southern Brazil uh, towards the uh, end of this week and the weekend. You know, I'm not looking at that as being a negative. I think they've dried out enough where they could probably use a little bit of a drink here unless it becomes excessive. The area that we're really watching is central Brazil because that's where they're going to try to get some early harvest out at the end of the month. If the weather patterns stay the way they are right now, they'd be able to do that because it's not particularly wet up there, and that's going to continue for the next week. But I could see it turning wetter again up there uh, during the last 10 days of December. So that's going to be very critical in terms of whether or not, you know, Brazil can harvest any early beans. 
Yeah, we're keeping close watch on that. Uh, how soon will their beans be on the market? All right, what about Australia? At this point, they're looking pretty good. You know, uh, the El Nino patterns have not really kicked in there. Oftentimes when you think of El Nino, you think of Australia as really having a problem. But, you know, they uh, have pretty much now, they're in the process of harvesting their wheat crop, uh, which has had some drought issues, uh, especially in northeastern Australia. Their summer crops are doing okay. They've had enough moisture uh, to keep things going for crops like sorghum and cotton. So I would say overall okay. This El Nino seems to be more biased into uh, North and South America uh, in terms of its greatest impact as opposed to Australia. And what about Europe? Uh, pretty good. I have concern there have shrunk a little bit, but we have seen some long-term drought in Germany over to Poland. Uh, things have gotten a little bit wetter there recently in Germany. Uh, but overall, the areas that really need the moisture this time of the year are getting it, and that's southern Europe, Spain, across the Mediterranean, down into North Africa, the Middle East. Uh, those areas have been very active and, uh, you know, should be looking at some very good uh, winter grain crops coming out of those areas. Yeah. Uh, not too bad. A um, little droughty going into the uh, winter, but not enough to be of concern. It looks like they had enough mild weather to get the crop pretty well established there. You know, they're going to need decent moisture coming into the spring. Uh, and we'll see how things go there. They have been a little drought-prone the last couple of summers, which could affect uh, not only winter wheat, but maybe more importantly some of their uh, uh, corn and sunflower crops next year. But, uh, again, you know, uh, really no huge concerns um, at this point uh, in winter uh, looking at most of the northern hemisphere crops. All right. Thanks a lot. Good uh, good weather picture around the world for us to keep in mind uh, as we hear, hit mid-December here, Mike. Thank you very much. Appreciate you being with us. Okay, Mike. DTN Palmerino, who says uh, we are in the midst of uh, El Nino, and uh, we're going to have a very active weather s- number of active uh, weather systems moving uh, continually across the country throughout uh, this winter, it sounds like. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk about the U.S.-China trade issues. Uh, It looks like March 1st is the date to be watching. That's kind of the hard deadline for Washington and Beijing to uh, come up with some kind of a deal. U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer confirming uh, that time schedule over the weekend. And uh, we're going to talk about the the situation for U.S. soybeans with the CEO of the American Soybean Association, Ryan Finley. He'll join us next here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The farm regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture.
We very clearly told him not to look up there. I'm honestly impressed that he was able to do it. Right? What did he balance on that big chair? Or... Yeah, I mean, I guess he'll just know what his gifts are this year. I really thought we had hidden them well. If they can find their presence, they can find a gun. 911, what is your emergency? Every day, eight kids and teens are unintentionally killed or injured by loaded and unlocked guns. Learn how to make your home safer. You by the Ad Council and End Family Fire. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. A defensive tone to the grain and oil seed sector as we begin this trading week with soybean futures an hour into the day, two and a fraction lower fraction to a penny and a fraction lower in corn, the wheat futures trending two to five and a fraction lower. Over the weekend, U.S. officials maintained a hard line in trade negotiations with China, despite a truce struck between President Trump and Chinese President Xi Jinping in Buenos Aires at the U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer saying on Sunday, the U.S. will hold fast to its 90-day that deadline for the conclusion of a lasting agreement, adding that Washington would impose punishing tariffs on Chinese imports if none is reached. Weather-wise, episodes of wet and cold weather continues to impact the remaining corn and soybean harvest in the Ohio and Tennessee valleys. Quality issues and some crop losses to soybeans are expected. More favorable weather for any remaining corn harvest elsewhere in the Midwest and in the Northern Plains will be seen this week. In South America, less rainfall at this time will favor developing soybeans throughout the major growing areas of Brazil. January soybeans edged to a firmer close on Friday but traded within its recent range. On the downside, gap support from November 30th remains open from 896.5 to 897. For livestock at the Merck and live cattle futures trending 15 to 40 cents lower, 70 to 90 higher in feeder cattle. Lean hog futures February through June 75 to a dollar two lower. On Wall Street, the Dow down 147. January crude oil down 80 cents a barrel in New York. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well, we started off the show talking about it's going to be a busy week in Washington, D.C. Someone who's in our nation's capital. Joining us now is Ryan Finley, CEO of the American Soybean Association. Ryan, thanks for joining us. Hey, not a problem. Good morning. Good time for you to be there. Looks like it's Farm Bill Week. May actually get it done this week. 
Boy, we hope so. It would be great. We've our, our message throughout this entire year has been we need to have a farm bill this year, and we are getting really close to the end of that year. So if we could finish something up this year, uh, it would be fantastic for farmers. There's a lot of uncertainty right now, and if we could have one one thing for certain and, and to lock that, uh, that safety net in place and that risk management tool that is the farm bill, that would be great. We're getting, you know, bits and pieces of information, but from what you're seeing and what you're hearing from a soybean perspective, what are your thoughts on this farm bill? Well, I think it is it's going to be a good farm bill, and I think for farmers that are feeling a lot of pain right now, it's going to continue to provide those tools, whether it's crop insurance, whether it is the, the Title I PLC or ARC payment, it's going to provide some risk management tools that are really critical. And, and by no means is this going to save um, agriculture when, when um, you know, by providing a payment on an annual basis, but that's not what we're going for. What we want is for farmers to be able to manage their risk. And I think this does a really good job of, of providing that opportunity, as well as making sure that we have some conservation programs that are available. And um, I think the con- converse, um, conservation aspects of it are still we want to see the language before everybody says explicitly what it is. But our understanding right now, um, again, without seeing the language, is that it's going to be very similar to what we have had in the past. And I think that will be good. And then the final aspect of it that we've really been tracking and that's been critical for us is the market access program and foreign market development. So the MAP and FMP programs are, are the programs through the Farm Bill which allow U.S. agriculture to advocate and try and expand and build a preference in international markets for U.S. commodities. And that both of those programs are really important to a, to a range of commodities, including soybeans. And we were really hoping to see increased funding, but I think being able to maintain funding in this environment is, is a win. Well, hopefully we're going to see that language in the Farm Bill perhaps tomorrow and uh, maybe even see a vote on it uh, this week. We're talking with Ryan Finley, CEO of the American Soybean Association. Ryan, it sounds like we'll also this week see the new Waters of the U.S. rule. Yeah, it's kind of time for some to see some regulatory rules, and I think the one that everybody has anticipated for a long time is WOTUS or Waters of the United States. There were a couple of Supreme Court cases years ago that said, what we have for the regulation of how you define a water of the U.S. were were invalid. They were not appropriate. And so the administration, the previous administration, President Obama, went through and developed a set of regulations that a lot of people heartburn over. And I think if you read the regulation and look at it, you would kind of scratch your head and say, wow, I mean, there are um, streams that only when it rains is considered a stream that would be included in the water of the U.S. definition and, and several others. And so President Trump, with his administration, said, we're going to pull that back and reissue something that's more in line with, with what the original Clean Water Act um, had envisioned and with what a lot of people think is, is more appropriate. And so what does that look like is what everybody keeps asking. And I think I think this week we're going to find out, and hopefully it will be in the right the right vein for agriculture. And it's probably headed uh, to the courts, right? 
I think any regulation, whether it is a crop protection tool that is registered or um, a rule out of USDA or EPA, and anything today is going to face a court challenge. And unfortunately, that's the environment in which we operate. But um, yes, I think the WOTUS rule, the water of the U.S. rule, will likely face several court challenges before and during its implementation. All right. Now, of course, the big uh, the big question right now for soybeans: When will we start selling to China again? Uh, there's there's hope. There's speculation. There's a time clock, a 90 day clock. Uh, all this going on. What are you seeing? What are you hearing uh, when it comes to when we might be selling soybeans back to China? Yeah, what an incredible for farmers, especially soybean farmers. This has been such a roller coaster of emotions with with decent prices and strong projections at the beginning of the year, and then the trade impacts that we experienced throughout the year, and it's just been up and down, and that continued. So last week, just over a week ago, we saw President Xi from China and President Trump meet in Argentina and and reach this agreement that or this deal that would um, slow down the U.S. increase in tariffs and hopefully establish a 90-day clock that would um, allow negotiators from China and the U.S. to work through some of the challenges that that we're dealing with in this trade war. Um, And then the markets were excited about that. There was a lot of positive response. And then as details unfolded last week, we realized, well, we don't really know what exactly that negotiation is going to look like. We don't know who's going to be involved. We don't know what it is. And so we were really pleased to see that they sat down. They had a conversation. They indicated, let's put, kind of push pause on the increase of this trade war and see if we can't sit down and negotiate. Those are all really, really good signs. Now, the frustration is we don't have um, ships with soybeans from the U.S. going to China right now. Um, Hopefully, we will see that. There were reports in Bloomberg today that uh, that China will announce this week they're going to make some purchases. But until we see those boats actually pull into the harbor in China and unload U.S. beans, I think we just need to be cautious about how excited we get with with any deals announced. Yeah, I agree. I think we have to kind of pump the brakes. Uh, we get out ahead of ourselves a little bit on this because we're so anxious to see that trade resumed. We just kind of have to, you know, be realistic about it and cautious about it, and hopefully it's going to work out. But uh, until, as you said, until those ships pull into the port, it's not a done deal. Right. And, and I think even if we see soybeans, so let's say, I mean, we, we export millions and millions of tons of of soybeans to China. If we export, if they make a deal or they make an announcement this week and they say, well, we're going to buy five to eight million tons of, of U.S. soybeans, that's great. That's, I mean, that, that is helpful, but it's nowhere near what they would typically import. And so even if they do make an announcement of some purchases, we should be very cautious in that. I think what we want to see in agriculture and with the American Soybean Association is let the market um, open up again. Let's let the market dictate the price and the flow of commodities. And in a trade war, that's not the case, unfortunately. And when you have a trade war, you see uh, countries starting to position themselves and where are you going to move beans to and who's going to get beans. And you have a lot of artificial barriers 
that are not helpful for anyone, certainly for agriculture in the long term. And so if, if we see some announcements this week, even those announcements we should take um, with a little caution um, because we really need to see this resolved in, in free trade open up again with China. Finally, Ryan, uh, we're looking ahead to next year. It's going to be quite a battle on uh, the USMCA getting that passed in Congress. We're hearing Nancy Pelosi and others already talking about some changes need to be made. Um, a lot at stake here, especially with the threat by President Trump to pull out of NAFTA if Congress doesn't pass the new USMCA. What will your role be at ASA in uh, trying to get this passed next year? Yeah, I think there's no question we're going to continue to push on on the NAFTA 2.0 agreement, USMCA, and we, we have to educate new members of Congress as to what what the benefits of it are. We need to inform everyone we can that it's been on Capitol Hill, the importance to agriculture. It's not just soybeans, it's all of agriculture. Certainly for us, Mexico is a major export market, but within a lot of agricultural commodities, Mexico and Canada are both important. And so we're going to make, we will, we will certainly make a, a coordinated effort to educate and then the pressure people on Capitol Hill in 2019 to move forward and pass the, the trade agreement, the USMCA or NAFTA 2.0. But that's just one of them. I mean, we have, we have the, the NAFTA 2.0. We have negotiations starting with Japan. We have negotiations ongoing with the European Union. Hopefully those step, step up. Possibly, <clears throat> excuse me, if Brexit does break away, if, if it happens, then we may have uh, some negotiations with England. So 19 could be very busy on the trade front all very important for the United States agricultural industry to make sure we have access to all of those markets. Well, just a few things going on here at the end of the year and going into (laughs) next year, right? Right, yeah, yeah. That'll keep us all busy. And, again, this this week in particular really shaping up a lot happening with Farm Bill and uh, WOTUS, so lots to talk about. Ryan, I know you're going to be busy there in Washington, D.C. We'll stay in touch. Thank you very much. Hey, not a problem. Thank you. Take care. Take care. CEO of the American Soybean Association, Ryan Finley, joining us uh, today from Washington, D.C. Well, on the... A uh, matter of trade, there's some things happening with uh, the beef industry we want to make note of. Morocco opening up to U.S. beef. How significant a market is that? And let's look ahead to talks between the U.S. and Japan. Could be very significant indeed. Agriculture really been uh, looking at that ever since, really, we pulled out a TPP. Can we get something done with Japan? We'll be talking about that next with Kent Backus with the National Cattlemen's Beef Associations. We kick off the week here. Glad you're with us on AOA Adams on Agriculture. <music> 